Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for every mother that's listening to this. We thank you for every mother that you have placed on the earth. And Father, we pray right now that you would strengthen them in their inner man, that Christ would live and dwell in their hearts by faith, that they, being rooted and grounded in love, would be able to comprehend with all other believers the extents of your love, the height, the width, the breadth, the depth, the, the full length of your love that passes natural human knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of you, Father. And Father, we ask right now that you... Help them to open their hearts to you, to what your word and spirit are saying. Father, that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see what you're saying and what you're revealing. And Father, we pray for every other uh, person that's listening. We pray also that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit's saying to us today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that when your word gains interest into our heart, there is light. And where there is light, there is faith. And that we can act and believe because you have brought us light and you have opened up the way to true life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, our main scripture text, our theme text, you could say, for this morning is uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Timothy. You think I would know it, it has my name, uh, or I have its name. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 5, 2 Timothy chapter 5, and uh, chapter 1, verse 5, I'll get it right. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. I remember, in a New Living Translation, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. I know the safe, same faith continues strong in you. And we're going to look at that in just a couple minutes in a, a few translations. And it's funny, when I was preparing for this message, I pictured myself walking around doing this. I guess I forgot that we're doing this online and I can't really go to many places. <laughs> so we'll just do it sitting right here. All right, maybe I'll sit up, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. But um, I don't know about your family, but in my family, food uh, was always kind of a big deal. And we like food, and we like to eat food. And I apologize in advance. I'm going to be talking about some food here uh, at the beginning, so maybe it's going to stir in you some uh, fleshly hunger emotions. <laughs> and uh, But uh, that, that'll just have to do, so you'll have to get some food afterwards. So I guess you're watching online, so as long as you can pay attention and receive what the Lord's saying, you could eat at the same time. But make sure that your primary eating is from your heart. <laughs> and so uh, anyhow, at Christmas every year, uh, man, as far back as I can remember, uh, the men in our family would make fudge. And uh, we would make uh, a couple kinds of fudge, two kinds of fudge. My grandfather on my father's side always had a special fudge recipe. And uh, it was like, uh, I don't know, organized chaos when we would make this because he would always try like some different variant on the recipe and uh but if you don't get fudge just right it's too sticky or it can be like really crumbly and i remember one year uh, when we made it it was kind of like uh rock solid rock hard nobody could eat it <laughs> it was pretty bad it'd be like you could just suck on it but even then you kind of get tired of it um but most of the time it was really good and uh so but one of those recipes uh, my father, I don't know if he came up with it or he changed it. I'll have to ask him uh, after this. 
but uh, he, he, he would make this. And so to this day, uh, every Christmas or Thanksgiving, kind of around the holidays, uh, the men in our family will make this fudge. And when we make this fudge, there, uh, for years, there was this secret ingredient that my dad would put in it that we wouldn't know what the secret ingredient was. So I don't know about your family, but have you ever been in a family where they have secret ingredients and they won't tell anybody the recipe? Well, mine's not like extreme like that. In fact, we know what it is now, but I'm not going to tell you. And, um, <laughs> but there's a secret ingredient. And uh, it just adds a little bit different flavor, changes it a little bit, or there's something there. My, um, my wife's family, Melody's family, uh, the meal that I remember that they, or the portion of meal that they always make that's kind of really good is uh, her mother's potato salad. Now, they have secret ingredient in the potato salad, but they don't know what the ingredient is. <laughs> Right? They just put it together like a lot of women do. And now, well, yeah. I'm so how do you make this? Well, a little bit of this, a little. How much? Well, I don't know how much. I just do it. And I'm like, are you trying to keep a secret? Do you want us not to know what it is? Like, you're the only one that can make this, right? And uh, I find out that most families are not like that. They're not trying to be exclusive. They actually don't know. They've just done it so long that uh, that's just how they make it. And it turns out excellent. And so uh, if my mother-in-law happens to be watching this, I, I love that potato salad. So, so you can just make it anytime you want. Potatoes are my favorite meal, I like to say. And so, but you may have a secret family recipe, a secret family ingredients. And what I want to talk to you today, the mothers and those, uh, everyone else that's listening, the children, and uh, you're either a mother or a child of someone. And so that would be everybody. But I want to talk to you about the secret family ingredient to a successful family and a successful life. And that secret ingredient, uh, Paul reveals in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I don't know why that, why that kind of escapes me. Uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And that ingredient is what? Faith. It's the ingredient of faith. So let me read a couple of translations to you, and then we'll kind of dive in uh, to the secret family recipe. All right. Message translation says that precious memory triggers another. Your honest faith and what a rich faith it is handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice and now to you. So first of all, I want us to notice that you can actually hand your faith down to another generation. So you might have like that fudge recipe or you know, they don't have the potato salad recipe, but they try to reproduce it, right? You might have an inkling of what it is. And so you want to pass that down uh, to further generations. Why? So that the blessing of the flavor and the smell and the taste can pass on. Well, let me tell you, you can pass on the blessing of the flavor of faith and the smell of faith and the taste of faith to gen from generation to generation because it went from Timothy's grandmother to his mother and now was in him. That same faith was also in him. So you can hand down something more precious than a recipe. Now your flesh is like, no, that recipe is pretty precious. But let me tell you, this life goes beyond when your body dies, you will not die. You will still live. And this blessing of faith is not only for the here and now, but it's for the today and it is for the tomorrow. And this is something that you can leave as an inheritance to your children's children. You can leave the inheritance of a life of faith and a life of faith that's not some, some 
some show, which we'll get to in just a second. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Um, passion translation. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice, and it is clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. It's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Now, I happen to like the King James translation uh, best, mainly because it has the word unfeigned. And for years, I would read about, you know, the, the Bible in the King James talks about unfeigned love several times and also about here, unfeigned faith. And the reason I like it is because I didn't understand it. <laughs> Well, because I didn't understand it, it made me look it up, right? And so uh, when I looked it up uh, several years ago, man, I really started to like the word unfeigned. Not that I use it all the time, like, man, that's unfeigned and that's sweet, right? No, I don't, I don't, I don't use it like that all the time. But because if you get so used to hearing something, you kind of don't look into the depth of it. Oh, praise the Lord, it's moving around. Hallelujah. And so um, unfeigned... Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, not counterfeit, not hypocritical, real, or sincere. Now, years ago, not when I was looking up for this message, but years ago when I looked it up, then I got taken off on the word sincere. And since then, I've started to, uh, you know, we've got some bees. Well, we had some bees. <laughs> they all got froze or died, or I don't know what happened to them. But we're going to get some new bees uh, later this month or next month, I believe. So um, we had these bees. And so why am I talking about bees? Well, because it means sincere, and sincere, the word sincere actually means without wax. And so when you're collecting the honey from bees, you want to have sincere honey, or you want to get rid of the wax and so that there's no uh, wax in your pure honey. It's called sincere once the wax is all removed. In other words, if you were looking at something, and if you look through this lens at me and there was wax on the lens, it would be insincere, it would be incomplete, it'd kind of be like a cloud uh, uh, between you and I, and so you wouldn't fully see all the detail that you can see. And so it's counterfeit, hypocritical, uh, excuse me, not counterfeit, not hypocritical, and not sincere is unfeigned faith. And then in a, another uh, large, large dictionary that I have, it says fashioned, formed, or shaped. This is for the word feigned, right? So this is if it, I said unfeigned, and this is the word feigned. In other words, it's fake. You could say the short for feigned would be fake. Fashioned, formed, or shaped, uh, fictitiously invented or devised, contrived for deception, imaginary, counterfeited, pretended, sham. It's just a sham. It's just a sham disguised, made up to a certain appearance. And so um, it is deceitfully created, right? Well, uh, you, know, you think of deceit, like somebody's intending to lie, intending... Well, sometimes people uh, have deceit because they're um, not wanting to show their faults or their failures, so they will deceive. But what I, what I want to talk about this morning is passing your faith your sincere faith, your real faith, your faith that is not fake, uh, 
Your faith that is not pretend, your faith that is not a counterfeit, your faith that is not imaginary, your faith that is not disguised, your faith that is not trying to give a certain appearance, this real faith, I want to talk about passing on this real faith to the next generation or to your children. Now, you may not have natural children, but you can have spiritual children. You can be an influence on uh, people coming up. In fact, the Bible, we miss it sometimes in the modern age because we don't have the older people mentoring the younger people. So you need the zeal and the energy of the younger people, but that their zeal and their energy have to have the godly wisdom of those that have gone before and that are before. Otherwise, uh, they'll make a huge mess of it. And so it is actually multi-generational. The body of Christ is intended to be multi-generational. So I love the fact that our church is multi-generational. Um, but this kind of faith is not an imaginary pretend faith. It's not a sham. It's not a fake. So when you think of raising children and you think of, you know, when I was preparing for this message, I was looking up, you know, like, what, is a, what does the Bible say about mothers? You know what scripture kept coming up again and again and again? What chapter in the Bible? Anybody want to guess? Say it. I can't hear you. Say it. Okay. Proverbs 31. The Proverbs 31 woman, the woman, the uttermost woman, the perfect woman, the woman of everyone's dreams. And uh, sometimes I think uh, females look at the Proverbs 31 woman and they just like, huh, that is not possible. <laughs> then I think the men look at that and say, if that were only possible, right? <laughs> well, uh, how are you going to do it? By faith, right? You're going to do it by faith. But it is not imaginary and it is not fake. And if you try to look at what you see in the Proverbs 31 woman and you say, okay, I'm going to be that, and uh, you feel like you have to be that, well, you may start uh, feigning some things. So you're going to like uh, start covering up, make it look like you are that when you're not that. What's going to happen to those children uh, if they lived in a house like that and they come out and they grow up? What's going to happen first time uh, they stumble and fall and all of a sudden where one second ago uh, their feet are where their head was at? Like in other words, they fall flat on their face. What's going to happen to them? Uh, well, they're just going to be sorry, rotten scoundrels because they are shameful children because their mother was perfect and they are not. And I don't know what's wrong with them, but they just got issues, so they might as well just give up and not try to do it anymore, right? What I'm trying to say, well, what I'm trying to say is that a godly example of a godly mother uh, that the children actually learn because they see mama apologize and ask forgiveness from the Lord and from them. Uh, in other words, they know what happens when you make a mistake and when you get over in the flesh that your whole life is reliant on God, that it's not a fake life, but it's a real life. And they know that mom has to rely on God when times are hard just as much as they do. What an example that you can see like when mom doesn't know what to do, when tears are flowing from mom's eyes, that mom turns and pulls herself from her flesh and says, you know what, I'm not going to let my emotions dominate me and I'm not going to let my flesh dominate me. I'm turning to Jesus, right? I'm turning and I'm looking to Him and He will see me through so that she can say to her children with all sincerity and purity, you know what, I may not be much in the flesh, but when Jesus gets a hold of me, anything can happen, right? With God, nothing shall be impossible. And so you actually leave a legacy of relying on God. And what is faith anyhow? But turning away from yourself, turning away from all your worries, all your anxiety. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk where the rubber meets the road. I got to stand up. Okay. All of your mistakes with your children. 
all of your mistakes that you've made in raising your children. Don't live and identify with those mistakes. Live and identify with the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, with the strength that is in Jesus Christ, with the life that is within Jesus Christ, with the freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we should no longer be bound by this yoke that's like put on us by works of self-righteousness and we're trying to do it ourselves and we're trying to make it happen ourselves. No, our reliance is totally on Him. As if we could do anything ourselves. Some people sometimes think, well, I'm a pretty good mother and I'm pretty good at this stuff and everybody should look at me as the example. Well, let me tell you, uh, you are not. If that is your thinking, when you begin to see how wonderful Jesus is and how everything that he's done and you're amazed at him and you rely on him, you're beginning to act in faith because faith is turning away from yourself and turning to him. Now, I want to read just a, a passage of scripture that I absolutely love the scripture, a passage from Miss Wigglesworth that I absolutely love. And uh, you've probably heard this before if you've read after him at all. He said, I am not moved by what I see. I am moved only by what I believe, right? And then he goes on to amplify it. He says, I know this. No man looks at circumstances if he believes. That's the Greek word pistio, right? I love that word pistio. I was going to make a joke, but I better not. Okay, I love that word pistio. No man relies on his feelings if he believes. So he said two things. No man looks at circumstances if he believes, and no man relies on his feelings if he believes. He didn't say no man has feelings. He said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe, what I pissed Joe, right? In other words, when I pissed Joe, I release my feelings. I don't look at the circumstance. I disregard the circumstance. I'm looking at Jesus. Well, if I look this way, do I know that something's still there? Sure, I know it's there. But I have fixed my gaze on Jesus. My faith is in Him. My belief is in Him. My actions spring from my faith and trust in Him. Right? So if I look back at my actions, back at my mistakes, or what I think, well, I did a pretty good job with that, you know, uh, my righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. In other words, the best I could possibly do comes up to the Lord, filthy rag. I don't like filthy rags unless I'm cleaning something filthy, right? And so um, he said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved only by what I believe. I know this, no man looks at circumstances if he believes. No man relies on feelings if he believes. Think, <laughs> I've got to get off this, but just think how that would affect relationships if you actually put that into practice in your relationships. If you actually, in your relationships, acted on the love passage that we know in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, if you just put that in the relationship over the weight of your emotions, right? So your emotions, you have emotions, and God gave you emotions, but not every emotion lines up with the Word of God. Sometimes they line up with the Word, sometimes they don't. And in relationship difficulties, most of the time they don't. So no man relies on his feelings if he believes. The man who believes God has his request. Every man who comes into the Pentecostal condition can laugh at all things and believe God. Every man can laugh at all things and believe God. 
right? You can laugh at all things. Why can you laugh at all things and believe God? Because uh, things will push you this way and that way. They'll trigger your emotions this way and that way. But if you look to and believe God, you can rise above your emotions. You can rise above your past mistakes and your past failures and even your good works. You rise where? Into the realm of God. Where is, where is that? The realm of faith. And there is nothing like believing God. It's like the, that guy that went to Pastor Mark's meeting said, yeah, you know, that kind of preaching makes me want to grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> you want to do that? Oh. You can laugh at all things and believe God. In other words, when the unexpected happens, you need to learn to laugh. Why? Because you're not moved by circumstances and you're not moved by feelings because you're moved by what you believe and your belief is your faith in action. And so you say, oh, well, like Paul said, when that ship's breaking all to pieces, he's like, well, I believe God. You know what the non-believers probably thought at that time? This is a terrible time. Obviously, the Lord has not come through. Obviously, the Lord does not care. Because everything is falling apart, and if there is a God, he would make sure it didn't fall apart. But no, Paul had a word from the Lord. Paul knew what God had said, and he said, hey, everybody, I, I see all this stuff, but let me tell you, I see something more than all of this ship breaking apart. He said, I believe God. It's going to be just like he said. Everyone else was despairing of life. In other words, they're like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. So what? They believed what the circumstances communicated to them, and they believed according to their feelings. And they said, this is what's going to happen. We're going to die. And he said, oh, no. He said, I believe God. It's going to be just the way he said it, even though if I went by everything I could see and feel and these waves hitting me and the ships going down, if I went by my feelings, I might join you. He said, but I don't live by my feelings. I live by what God has said to me, and I believe God. I believe what he said. He is not a liar. So faith that should be passed down is sincere and it is real and it is not fake. And so I think many times parents make a huge mistake by not opening up to their children and saying, you know what, daddy was wrong, mama was wrong. You know, I know it doesn't, mom really isn't wrong that much, but when dad's wrong, you know, uh, it's Mother's Day, so mothers are pretty much always right. Um, but, uh, you know, we make a mistake by not admitting our mistakes you know, you feel like, well, maybe that's like going to take my authority away. Or, no, no, no. Actually, uh, you, you look at the humility of someone who will admit their mistake. It has nothing to do with your authority. It has to do with reality. And when you're training someone, they learn more by what you do than by what you say. And so you come and you say, you know what, I, I, I spoke too short with you. I shouldn't have yelled or I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have um, gotten frustrated with you, or I shouldn't have given time that belongs to you to someone else or something else, right? You just pick up from where you're at and you just 
change direction and live right, right? And you just sow into those children. You sow the seed of the Word of God and you live the life of faith and it will um, put an imprint on the spirit of those children that they will not forget because there is substance in faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so you see that you take your children and you surround them in the faith of God and the love of God, and that, that sets you free. Like you're trying to perform and you're trying to be this and be that and you feel like, well, I'm not this and I'm not that and how come this and how come that and my children this and you know other people's children that. Oh, it's not really wise to compare yourself among yourselves, <laughs> the Bible says. But live by faith. You can't go wrong living by faith. Because why? You're relying upon Him, and He will give you the supply that you need. He'll give you the help that you need. He'll give you the strength that you need. He'll, he'll put you on the top when it seems like you've done everything to put yourself on the bottom. <laughs> he'll raise you up. He's made you the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Uh, you're not the last. You're the first. Amen. God has you on His mind, and He is ready, willing, and able. But the problem is, when we don't live by faith, Get, cuts off the access that God has to our life. But when we live by faith, we are relying on Him and the floodgates of provision come to us. What? Provision of knowledge. I mean, I don't know how many times my children have done something and I thought, Lord, what in the world do you say to that? You know, it says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart. And I thought, what way should he go? Like, what, what, did they, what, what, what has happened, you know? Well, what do you need? You need wisdom from God, right? So that you can train them in godly things, in godly ways. And uh, I found with myself, I tend to make it more complicated than what it is, you know? Uh, like like uh, you think, how do you train them uh, to be honest? Well, you train them to be honest. You say, be honest. <laughs> And you give them little examples, right? Well, we make it like really complicated. Like you, it's amazing. You teach somebody something, and especially if you don't have to unteach stuff, well, people just tend to receive. You're, the human spirit is made to believe the Word of God. You're fashioned to believe God. Uh, you've been created to believe God. We've been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. And so uh, your children will believe. And what, what's more is their spirit, will, it will register on their spirit when the Word of God is spoken to them because it is the reality that goes beyond feelings of their flesh, emotions of their flesh. The Word of God is real. The Word of God is true. Even if their flesh has different desires, different things that are contrary to the Word, their spirit knows this is what God's Word says. And their spirit will be satisfied with nothing less than living by faith. In fact, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11:6. 6. Uh, For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, let me go back and read that verse one more time. Amplified translation, 2 Timothy 1, 5. I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith. That doesn't sound like the Bible, does it? That's what it says. <laughs> Amplified. So now they're going to tell you what unqualified means the, uh, of faith, unqualified faith. The leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. 
Isn't that good? So he's telling you what faith is. The leaning of your entire personality, if you're timid and quiet or bold and loud, the leaning of your entire personality or somewhere on the scale in between, on God, in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence, in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. In other words, the series that we're kind of in the middle of, that we're looking to Him. We're not looking to ourselves, but we're looking to Him. Isn't that a free, a freeing thought? Can I say it? Is that a word? Freeing thought? Doesn't that thought or that truth, that reality bring freedom? That we look not at the confidence, our confidence is not in ourselves or in our own flesh, but it is in His power, in His wisdom, and in His goodness that we can rely on Him. Well, why? Because when you start to look at yourself and you look at what you've done, what you do, what your tendencies are, and you focus on that, you're going to go the wrong direction because uh, your focus is wrong. And you're going to get overwhelmed because you are limited. But God knows the future of every one of those little children. And if your children are grown, He knows the future of all of your grown children. He knows exactly their bent. He knows exactly uh, the call that He has for them in every detail. He knows the temptations that are coming to them. And, you know, I know uh, there's a minister that came to minister when I was in Bible school. He came at the church we were attending which was uh, Ramah Bible Church, and we were at the church, he came, and I'll, I'll never forget what he said. Uh, he was ministering on um, the Lord and the move of God, and, uh, but he said, you know, in his own house, he recalled a time when he got up in the middle of the night, uh, I think it was like three in the morning, and uh, he had to use the restroom. And so he went to the restroom, and as he's like groggy and half asleep, he's using the restroom, he said the Lord spoke to him and said, be careful uh, with so-and-so and named one of his sons. He's susceptible to drugs. Just in the middle of the night. Why? Because he looked to the Lord, to his power, his wisdom, and his goodness, and not just to himself. Because he said in himself, he said, I wouldn't have thought he'd have trouble with drugs. I wouldn't have thought there was any issues. But he was able to pray for his son, and he was able to watch over his son, and then his son was able to not get delve deep into drugs or anything like that, and the Lord made provision. So you ought to parent supernaturally. You ought to parent by looking to the Lord and listening to the Lord, and let the Lord show you uh, what things to be concerned about, what things to pray about, what things to uh, train your children in, and he'll put you down, he'll put them down the right path because he knows the bent of those children. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows things that you're not aware of. In fact, M Melody and I, with our children, we, we have a working relationship with the Lord. And so uh, we thank the Lord that the hidden things are revealed. And so we tell our children, you know, you better just pay attention because uh, we fellowship with the Lord. And when we need to know it, the Lord lets us know what's going on because we have a responsibility to train you and to, and to uh, guide you. So many times you're like, uh, now, is that person telling the truth or is that person not telling the truth? Well, you can know by the Spirit of God and uh, He'll lead you, He'll guide you. And, uh, you know, but you're looking to him and not yourself. It's not um, that you kind of uh, just decide, well, I'm the parent, so I always know what's right. I always know the truth. Well, uh, you liar. Uh, because without the Lord, you don't know. And uh, many times you're um, thinking that it's this way 
And it's not that way, right? So you want to discern the voice of the Lord, make sure that you're relying on Him, and He will lead you, He'll guide you, and um, He'll help you to train those children in love and not condemnation. He'll, he'll help you to um, show them the right way to go, that they're able to live by faith themselves so that your faith can go from you to your children to your grandchildren. And I'm not a grandparent yet, but let me tell you, uh, I imagine there'd be nothing as satisfying as seeing uh, the faith life pass on to your grandchildren. I know it's quite satisfying to see uh, the faith of God in my children, and I can't wait. Well, I can wait, but it'll be exciting to see it in my grandchildren when the time is right. I didn't finish reading it. A faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. So our faith can be passed down and should be passed down. I think the greatest mission in life that you can have is to live for God. And I think the greatest way or the first way that that ought to show up or the, the um, what do you call it, before other things, the, your life of faith, uh, before your life of faith serving in a church or any other place, it ought to show up in your home uh, with your children that you teach them how to live by faith. In other words, your greatest ministry if you're a parent is to those little people those little sons and those little daughters, that the greatest impact that you'll have will probably be the legacy that you leave in them. And sometimes you want to have like a, this great legacy where you have this or that, this ministry, that ministry, this thing, that thing, that you gave your life to this. But if you gave your life to that, yet you neglected those that God has entrusted to you, you have failed. And so your number one priority is your relationship with God and then your relationship with your spouse. And then, number, uh, then right after that is your children that you need to put into those children uh, all your effort, all of, everything that you are, everything that you have, that if you lose your own household but you win the whole world, you have lost. So um, as a believer, our priority is to train up those young people, put into them the faith that has been given to us and entrusted to us and pass that faith on also. That that's our focus and everything else kind of falls in place, especially as a mother. You know, the Bible talks about the mother taking care of the home and, uh, you know, the father protecting and the mother taking care of the home. Well, if we don't put our faith into the next generation, what's going to happen when that generation gets up? You know, I, I'm keenly aware that my children, if I sow into them the faith of God, that they'll probably reach more people. Their reach will be further and more extended than mine ever will be. Not only my natural children, but my spiritual children. And so we ought to take what God has entrusted to us and put our faith in God in them. Amen? Well, as we close, I want to give you just a, a couple things of application for mothers and for children. And like, what can you do today? Uh, what can you put into practice today? Well, number one, the number one thing as a mother that you can do today is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior is to get to know Him. And the only way to get to know Him is to receive Him. The Bible says, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to be the children of God. In other words, you need to get born again. If you're, if you're struggling as a mother and you're having some difficulties and you're like, oh, these little people just drive me crazy. I can't handle them. Well, number one, if you don't have the love of God, you're in a, you're in a failing position. 
right? You need the love of God uh, for your children. And so the way you get that is when you're born again, God pours His very love into you, into the believer. And so uh, get born again. But number two, if you're a believer and um, you want to make a change and you want to live by faith, but not just live by faith, you want to put that faith into your children, then what you need to do is you need to take and you need to set a marker on this day in your life. Uh, You can maybe remember it pretty easily because it was the Mother's Day of COVID, right? The Mother's Day where uh, you couldn't go to a church building, right? So Mother's Day 2020, mark this day and make a decision today that I'm going to change course and I'm going to live by faith and I'm going to put my faith into my children and I'm not going to be distracted by social media and put social media before my children and I'm not going to be distracted by other people's children or other things uh, before my own children that I'm going to put my children first, of course, after the Lord, but I'm going to invest myself into my children. Children age so fast and the older you get, the faster it seems like time goes. Somebody said, uh, time is like a roll of toilet paper. Once you get to the end, it starts spinning really, really fast, right? And so as you get older, you find like, whoa, where did the time go? Well, let me tell you, the moments that you have with your children, you will never have this moment again. You will never have this period of time again. I have four uh, young children, and they're getting older fast. And they'll, thank God, never be in diapers again. (laughs) Not that that's a time I want to cherish, right? (laughs) But you only have that time so short. And it's amazing how quickly they change. Wait till you see my kids again. You haven't seen them in person. You'll be like, well, they grew a lot. And then this changed and that changed. And their personalities are changing and developing and growing. And so uh, especially, you know, we'll maybe talk about this more on Father's Day, but especially you men. I got this message, I believe, and unless the Lord changes it, it's called Engage for Father's Day. It's called engage, right? And so don't just sit on the wayside and think somebody else is going to raise my kids. Somebody else is going to take care of my kids. No, you have that responsibility and you actually are accountable to God for how you raise those children and what you do for them. And by faith, you can do it. You don't have to be overwhelmed by it. You just should embrace it full of joy like this is awesome. You have really young children. You know, you get all dressed, all ready to go. Everybody's set and going and somebody vomits all over you or somebody's poop goes out of their diet and you have to stop and change everything. What did Smith Wigglesworth say? You can laugh at all things and believe God, (laughs) right? And so you just embrace it, right? And when you have older children and they come and tell you something that is quite shocking and your mouth wants to drop open and like, like this, oops, sorry about the mic, don't let your mouth drop open. You just surround them in faith and love. Just number one thing is for them to know how much you love them because I know that you do love them. But they don't, they're not always secure in that love, especially if they've messed up. So you've got to, when they come to you, you've got you to just shed the love of God on them and the faith of God. Like no matter what has just happened, mom and daddy love you, God loves you, and by faith we can overcome. 
Faith was not made for a life with no problems. Faith was made for a life to overcome, that you are a conqueror, and that you more than conquer the things that come your way. So faith, you don't need faith. You don't have to live by faith. If everything is just smooth sailing, you could just do whatever you want to do, which is why in the Western world some people have some trouble because they don't even look to the Lord because they feel like I can do whatever because everything's going fine. But faith will cause you to overcome any obstacle that the devil puts in your way or that your stupid decisions put in your own way. You can overcome even your stupid decisions, even your mistakes. And so um, look to the Lord, mark this day down, and make a course correction. Just change your course. If I, you know, I learned to fly an airplane, I'm going to fly again someday. I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus under, you know, where I'm the pilot. And so... Um, when I learned to fly, you know, I remember I went on my first cross country by myself. And so that means you're going across the country by yourself. <laughs> it's like when I looked up the word unfeigned in the dictionary. You know what they said? I meant to tell you that earlier. I forgot. It said not feigned. <laughs> the unfeigned means not feigned. And I thought, thank you. That's a big help. <laughs> okay. So you're going a long distance by yourself. Well, if you go a long distance by yourself in an airplane, if your course is just one degree off, well, you know, if I just go one mile, I'm not going to be very far off at one degree. I should calculate sometime and see what it is if you'd even notice it. But if I go uh, a thousand miles and I'm one degree off, I'm probably going to be hundreds of miles from where my intended target was. Right. So what do I do? Well, when I learn to fly, you know, the, you first learn to fly by what you see, by your what they call visual flight rules. And so when I would go, I would keep checking my course as I was going. And when I would check my course and see that I was getting off course, I didn't cry and get upset. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? No, I just looked at what the indicator showed when I looked and I was a little off my course and I looked outside to see what, what, uh, cause you also fly by what you see. And I'm like, okay, it looks like I'm a little off and oh, I'm supposed to be over that object, but I'm over this object. I would just simply turn uh, the yoke a little bit and give it a little rudder and I would go right back on course. So I didn't get all upset, all disturbed. I just got it right back on course. So just make a decision today to steer right back on course. And don't get stuck in the past. Uh, you know, you, if you messed up, just confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you can use that as an example to train those kids. Like, you know what? Even when I was helping you, I got off course. I, I was distracted. Please forgive me. But I am here. I am your mother. And God has given me the ability to do everything and put everything into you that you need. And those things that I don't even have naturally, He'll supply. And you just watch. God's going to bring us through this. It's going to be amazing. I love you so much. Let's do this by faith. It's like an adventure. This is our faith adventure, our faith life adventure. And then to the children, what can you do today? Well, let's just do some really practical things. Ask your mother what makes her feel honored, right? Because the Bible says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you that you live long on the earth. So your assignment today, you have homework. You may not be doing your schoolwork that you're supposed to be doing because of COVID or whatever. But let me tell you, I'm giving you some homework. And that is, ask your mom, mom, what makes you feel honored? What makes you feel loved? 
and then take note of it. Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe draw a picture of it. Whatever you need to do, put it on your wall so that you don't forget and you remember. And then um, pray for your mother. Pray for your mother. Pray that God will um, help her and strengthen her. I love to pray the Ephesians prayers are my favorite prayers because, man, you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God and all things are possible to him that believes. As soon as God gives you light, faith is present. When that faith is present, you can overcome any obstacle that comes. So I pray that you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, right? You ask God to open up his word to, to your mother and so that she can see and understand the way that she could only see and understand when God himself reveals it. Ask God for ways that you can honor your mother, that you can help your mother, and that you can uh, love on your mother. And then respond to the voice of your mother. Don't ignore your mother. Don't make your mother like, you know, mothers shouldn't be calling like 20 times, but sometimes you kind of get into the thing, you know. Uh, and so don't, you know, say, Mom, why are you yelling? You know, Mom might say, uh, because that's the 10th time I tried to tell you that. Right? I'm not saying yelling with a bad attitude, although that can happen. Just ask forgiveness, okay? But I'm saying, like, you're not hearing. Like, uh, sometimes kids, uh, we have had an ability to tune out the voice of mother. Because sometimes that means responsibility is coming my way. Right? Don't tune out the voice of your mother. It's very unwise. Both now and in the life to come. In other words, it'll affect you because you're honored. You want to have a long life on the earth and a good life. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you, that you live long on the earth, right? So you want it to go well and you want to live long. So respond to the voice of your mother. Older children, maybe you're not even home. Uh, you know, there used to be something. There used to be something. Uh, uh, I'm, I've got some old VHS tapes that I'm trying to transfer over and remind me of the VCRs and how they work. You know, there's a pause button, right? I guess you can pause the other stuff too. Maybe you can pause the live stream or whatever. But just put, put everything you have to do on pause and call your mother or write your mother a, a I love you mom letter or do something unexpected for your mother. Tell your mother that you love her, uh, especially for people um, that might be in the uh, early 20s age and lots of stuff going on and you just left home and stuff like that. Your mother needs to hear your voice. You need to communicate with your mother. I know you can do all this on your own, but you need to reach out to your mother and tell her that you love her and thank her for all of those nights when she was up changing your poopy diaper and feeding you when you were crying and whining and all of the things that, that you know, the money that they used to help you and to surround you and to feed you and that you still go back and ask for money and you just need to thank your mother. You need to call your mother. You need to pray for your mother, and uh, you need to listen to your mother. Give her time to speak. Give her time to talk. It doesn't mean you have to do everything that your mother is telling you, but let your mother speak. You know, uh, I am very blessed because I still have my mother and my wife's mother here on the earth. And so uh, I get to uh, talk with them and, and hear them and learn from them. And uh, you never know, uh, sometimes uh, people go to heaven sooner than what you expect. 
And so you need to cherish the time that you have. You need to honor your mother, spend some time with your mother, do something for your mother, talk to your mother. I'm sure I'm going to uh, hear from my mother, like, you better put this into practice, right? <laughs> and so I talked to my mother this week. <laughs> and, um, but we love our mothers. We're so thankful for our mothers. And, um, you know, if your mother has already gone on to be with the Lord, gone on before you, you can thank God for your mother. You can say, you know, uh, you know, Lord, I just want to thank you for everything that my mother put into me, for the precious times that I had to be with my mother. And you could say, Father God, please remind me. Uh, help me to remember more of those wonderful times and those things that she put into me. I know myself many times, you just be going along and all of a sudden you'll just remember something that you, you're like, oh, I had totally forgotten about that. But, you know, um, if your mother knows the Lord, uh, she's not in your past, she's in your future. And so you get to see your mother and uh, talk with your mother in heaven. And uh, the Bible says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So those that are in heaven know what's going on on the earth. And if they could tell you anything, they say, like, go on for Jesus, live a life of faith, pass the faith that I passed on to you, pass it down to someone else. If your parents weren't born again you're, or whatever, then you just, you be the first one, like, um, um, was it Lois or Eunice, whatever the grandmother was, first one in the family line that passes that faith, that has that faith and passes it on, and you just run your race with joy, and uh, for the joy that is set before you, you run that race and watch the Lord show up. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for every mother that's listening to this. I thank you, Father, that you are the strength of our life. I thank you for your strength in them and your faith in them, that by faith we can please you, that by faith we can be effective at parenting, we can be effective at reaching people for you, at loving people and, and giving because it's your love and your giving and your ability and your resources that we grab when we live by faith. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.